BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. I always encourage moms is remember that Instagram, social media, there there is a, a very small percentage of people who are being as authentic as they can. But even even the most authentic person, you're only sharing 15 seconds Mm -hmm. or 30 seconds Mm -hmm. of your 24 hour day. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I think a lot of moms go into this comparison mode, but just remind yourself that even the most authentic people on social media are going through things that you know nothing about. Mm -hmm. Their supply is their supply. And for lack of a better word, all our babies are individual. Mm -hmm. So a mom that's producing 25 ounces for her baby, but her baby is eating 30 ounces, mm-hmm. is technically undersupplied. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Welcome to She. Hey, I'm so excited to be here today. So happy to have you. This is a topic I've wanted to dive into for my own purposes, my own reasons of wanting to learn, and also because (laughs) I think it's something so many women are curious about or feel like they aren't, you know, very well equipped in. And so I think this is going to be really, really good. So I'd love if we can just start with a little bit about who you are and what you do. Can you just give us a quick overview of that? Yeah. So I'm a mom of two. I have a four-year-old and seven-year-old, and they are kind of the reason why I got into lactation. My nursing career kind of started more in neonatal intensive care. That was like my bread and butter for a very long time. Went on a mission trip, saw how really powerful, impactful skin-to-skin care was Mm -hmm. and breastfeeding was. And my interest was already peaked in those topics, but that just sort of sealed the deal for me. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of after that that I dabbled in it here and there. And then, you know, like any well-thought-out plan... I figured a pandemic and being postpartum was a good time to get that certification. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was like very interesting and a journey in and of itself. While I was breastfeeding, took my board exam and got my international board certified lactation consulting position or certification. And so that's kind of what I do now full time is I help moms with breastfeeding, combo feeding, 
bottle refusal, honestly, all kinds of things. Amazing. Amazing. I love that you were just like, yeah, this is the season to do it. I feel like that's sometimes like what you have to do though, because <laughs> there's always going to be a, well, mm-hmm. this is happening now and this is happening now. Like, There's always a reason to not do it. So the fact that you were like, we're just going to do it. I, I love that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> okay. So before we dive into the details of breastfeeding and pumping and all of that, let's just talk a little bit about the social pressure for and against breastfeeding. Yeah. I think this is like such a complex thing for women to navigate. I would love to just hear what kind of conversations are you seeing around breastfeeding and how are these either helpful or harmful to moms? I think so. I, I kind of had like two lenses, right? Because as a healthcare professional, I've been in and around all of the breastfeeding advice and statements mm-hmm. from like the Academy of Pediatrics. You've got different statements from the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. And although I love that so many of those organizations are moving towards what they term like extended breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So breastfeeding beyond a year and two years. Um, the one thing that I think they're kind of not emphasizing enough is they think it's so well and so great and it's natural and it's super beneficial from the baby mm-hmm. from their standpoint and from mom's standpoint. But never in there is this statement it's natural, but it's also hard to get help. It's just, mm. it's natural. Yeah. And so I think then for a lot of moms who are attempting to breastfeed, mm-hmm. they assume, well, it's natural. Like this should come easy. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I speak from experience on that. Mm-hmm. And from a lot of moms and friends that I've worked with, it doesn't come easy. And so then you kind of suffer in silence. It's almost like, mm-hmm. well, it's supposed to be natural and it's the best thing for my baby. So I'm just going to like keep plugging along mm-hmm. until I can't anymore. Mm-hmm. But the positive of that is people are talking about it so much more. And even celebrities, I mean, we've had, gosh, Rachel McAdams pumping, you know, mm-hmm. you've seen some of those photos going around and it's like, this is a really great thing Mm -hmm. to bring attention to the fact that this does take time Mm -hmm. and work and dedication. Mm -hmm. But in the same breath, that's the part that I think is the hardest is that nobody emphasizes how hard it's going to be. Or how time-consuming, like you just mentioned, how time-consuming it can be. I know for me personally, like I didn't learn a whole lot about breastfeeding prior to, I think I just had this idea that like, oh, you just pop the baby on easy peasy. And I had seen some of my friends breastfeed, like if we were out and about together, but usually it was like their third kid. And so it just was like, Mm -hmm. they were, they kind of had the hang of it. Their baby's a little bit older. So when my baby's four days old and why is this so challenging? You know, I remember thinking, did I, am I doing something wrong? You know, and, um, Mm -hmm. and even just how time consuming it can be. It's not as simple as, oh, you just pop the baby on when it's convenient. It can become simpler like that, but the the pumping, the keeping up with supply, all those things, like everybody has different challenges that can add to the amount of time it takes. And I think, had I known that a little bit more going in, I think I would have given myself a lot more grace. <laughs> yeah, well, and I always tell moms and even friends that I'm working with, breastfeeding happens eight, 12, sometimes even 16 times a day. Mm-hmm. So when it's going great, it's going great. Mm-hmm. But when it's not going great, it's not going great 12 to 16 plus times a day. And that makes postpartum really hard Mm -hmm. and really challenging and discouraging. And you feel sort of hopeless because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, this is the one thing that I'm super involved in when it comes to my baby, your partner. 
as supportive as they can be, they're not the ones having to do it. So it then becomes like just, it can really spiral into this shame and guilt Mm. thought process for a lot of moms. I think even for myself, between my first and second baby, I did some mental health and counseling because I had so much of a negative thought process and talk towards myself Mm -hmm. as a mom. Mm -hmm. And it all stemmed from, I feel like that original breastfeeding and it not going well, not succeeding at it, feeling like I'm not doing this right. I'm really just kind of failing at the one thing I'm supposed to be good at. Mm -hmm. And so I think I wish there was more of a vocabulary around hey, breastfeeding is great and it's natural and we want you to do it for an extended period of time. But if in the first three days or the first seven days, it's not going well, you really should be seeking out Mm -hmm. professional help and even making that more accessible to moms. Mm -hmm. I think we're, we're on a slow path to making that accessible with some insurances and things like that. But yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. Mm -hmm. There's that breakdown there of we really do. I think we're doing a good job of bringing it to light and encouraging moms to do it. But I think the ball really gets dropped with encouraging them that this is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Reach out immediately when you're struggling, get help quickly. Mm -hmm. So that way it doesn't feel like this big looming thing that you can't tackle. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. So speaking of it being harder than maybe a lot of people anticipate, and some people have just seamless, beautiful, easy breastfeeding journeys, but I would say a lot of people, like you've mentioned, run into challenges. So can you Mm -hmm. walk us through what are some of the, you know, biggest challenges you see women facing when it comes to breastfeeding? Yeah, I think the biggest probably for a lot of moms is that the latching, it's Mm -hmm. getting the baby on, It's the positioning. Where do I put my baby? I'm also healing. So Mm -hmm. you can be sore. Certain positions may not work for you. Mm -hmm. And even myself included, I didn't, just like you said, I didn't take a ton of breastfeeding courses or Mm -hmm. classes prior to. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't know, like, what are my options? I just knew what I'd seen in photos and seen of friends. Mm -hmm. And so, like you mentioned, you have that mom friend of yours that this is their third baby and they're three months in. And so they put that baby in a cradle hold in the crook of their arm and throw baby on. And Mm -hmm. that position doesn't like it doesn't lend itself well to a newborn because they don't have head and neck control. Mm -hmm. They're so floppy and squishy. And you're like, I don't know, you're supposed to be just getting on like, that's what it's supposed to be. And so Mm -hmm. I think the positioning of it, learning how to hold a new baby is really weird. If you've not done it a lot, Mm -hmm. they are just this little lump (laughs) of a person. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't know how to get you up here. On top of you have these boobs that feel like are just engulfing your baby a lot of times. <laughs> like casual B like, cup to H cup real fast. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. It's like, where do I put you? These yeah. things feel so huge yeah. and and I want to be comfortable, but I want you to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of moms, it's the latching part and the positioning. And then after that, like a very close second is just the second guessing with my supply. Is it enough? Mm-hmm. Are they getting enough? Mm-hmm. How do I know if they're getting anything at all? I assume they're feeding, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think it's that. It's kind of the not knowing. And for a lot of women, myself included, you kind of go through life And as a girl Mm -hmm. in general, you kind of go through life really struggling with maybe some confidence. Mm -hmm. And so when you get to breastfeeding, 
the confidence that you have around your body, I feel like it really translates mm-hmm. to breastfeeding and breast milk and supply. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if my body can do this. I don't know, particularly if you've had other, you know, issues with your cycle or maybe your hormones or with pregnancy. Like mm-hmm. there's so much that goes into it that you start to kind of especially when your baby's latched on and, and they're feeding, you're like, I don't I don't really know mm-hmm. if you're getting anything or what you're getting. And so I think that's probably another just kind of doubt around their supply yeah. And, yeah. and if it's working, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, that's so true. I've definitely had feelings like that. I know plenty of women I know have had feelings like that. I think especially or in addition to what you mentioned, like if you've struggled with hormones or fertility or like pregnancy, I think that innate kind of doubt in your body, or if you had a traumatic birth, you know, anything that was like, this didn't go how it was supposed to. So how can I trust my body to do what it's supposed to now? I think that's like one of those looming things in the back of the mind all the time. So appreciate you sharing that and kind of helping bring that to light a little bit. Okay. So speaking of that, and because it can be challenging and because a lot of women may struggle with the confidence around it, the comfort around it, all of that, what would you say are your top tips, especially for that first week of breastfeeding? Yeah. So my biggest thing around breastfeeding in the early days is, and it, it actually comes from a fairy godmother of breastfeeding is kind of what I always dub her as. Her name is Jane Morton. And she has this concept around the ABCs of breastfeeding. So attach baby to the breast that stimulates your breast milk production and it gets your baby calories. Mm-hmm. And so that's so well and great if everything works in an ABC flow. Mm-hmm. But as we know from birth, from pregnancy, from any other thing you've ever experienced in life, Mm -hmm. things don't always go ABC. Mm -hmm. And so she has this idea where you flip it. And so, of course, we want to continue to work on latch, continue to make that priority. But if your baby is not latching well, Mm -hmm. then the focus then becomes, let's get calories to my baby. So learning how to hand express really early Mm -hmm. is like to me, kind of your ace in your pocket when you're a breastfeeding mom, because even if you can't get your baby to latch, Mm -hmm. surely we can express some colostrum, Mm -hmm. some transitional milk or mature milk. We can feed that with a spoon or a cup or syringe. Mm -hmm. And then if baby continues to not latch in those early hours and days, then you would stimulate breast milk production by pumping Mm -hmm. and then continue to keep your baby practicing with attachment or latching by keeping them skin to skin. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of always the, when moms say like, how do I prepare for breastfeeding or how do I make sure that my supply is going to be a really great supply? I always tell them, Mm -hmm. even if your baby is doing really great and latching and feeding for 15 to 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. hand express for five to seven minutes after save whatever you can get. You can give that as a snack right then and there, or you can save it because it's good for four hours room temperature and give it prior to the next feeding to kind of wake your baby up in those sleepy days Mm. because the beginning is so, so hard. And I think that if by day three to five, you're still really doubting and feeling not sure, then get with an IBCLC to come to you and work with you because it will just kind of take the pressure off your shoulders Mm -hmm. to know everything and do everything right. When you have an outside perspective of someone saying, Hey, a lot of moms need to hear you're actually doing a really great job. Mm -hmm. There's only a few things that I would suggest I change in Mm -hmm. this scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
Most moms are. Like, I've never worked with a mom that I've been, oh, she's really not getting it, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, most of the moms I work with are doing 80 to 90% of what they're doing correctly. Mm -hmm. They just need a few small small shifts Mm -hmm. and then they become really confident Mm -hmm. and I think that that helps a lot to feel confident with what you're doing but then also know and see milk going in with those little bits of hand expression and milk Mm -hmm. that you can save up Mm -hmm. also just helps lower your anxiety in those early days yeah yeah that's all so good so so good okay something else you mentioned was that latching is one of the main issues or challenges a lot of women run into and I personally experienced this in the beginning I just felt like baby was on and off a lot would latch some he Mm -hmm. could latch but it was like so hot and cold as to when he would you know and I was like what is happening um (laughs) and so I'm curious especially because this can make or break a lot of women's breastfeeding journey or the latch is painful. What tips do you have for latching? How, and how can it be, how can mother led and baby led approaches both be helpful in this, in this area? Yeah. So I think baby led is one of those ones that I always encourage moms to use as those initial, you know, hours after birth, use baby led latching, Mm -hmm. lean way back, keep the pressure off your pelvic area, Mm -hmm. introduce your baby to breastfeeding, hand express after and give them whatever you collect. Mm -hmm. I think with mother led latching, what kind of like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, what a lot of moms get hung up on is where and how do I hold my baby Mm -hmm. and where and how do I hold my breast? Mm -hmm. And I usually will tell moms, especially if they are feeling or fidgeting and seeming kind of awkward those early hours after birth, I will tell them, okay, I want you to lay your baby on the bed in front of you because working in the hospital for, you know, quite a few years with mom's early postpartum, you kind of learn how to like reset their thought process around it. And so I'd have them lay their baby down in front of them. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, okay, now I want you to pick them up and put them on your chest, Mm -hmm. directly on your chest upright. And so a lot of moms instinctively, this is just what you naturally do because it makes the most sense to get the best control Mm -hmm. is most moms grab right under their baby's bum and right between their baby's shoulder blades kind of cupping or scooping their neck, right? Mm -hmm. And so when a mom brings their baby to their chest like that, I say, okay, I want you from here, I'm going to put a pillow right in front of you and we're going to take your baby from vertical to horizontal to whichever breast you want. Mm -hmm. But I want you to keep your hands pretty similar. Mm -hmm. And so whichever direction they choose to go, sometimes they have to swap their hands. But most of the time, the hand that's under the neck is then the direction they kind of naturally turn towards. So like say their right hand is under baby's neck. Then a lot of times they will naturally swing the baby's booty kind of down and their baby to their left breast. Mm -hmm. And so then I will tell them, okay, so from here, I want you to slide that hand out that's on your baby's bum and that becomes your boob hand. So like butt hand becomes the boob hand. Mm -hmm. And then your hand that's scooping behind the neck and shoulders stays exactly there. Mm -hmm. And I think something about that sequence Mm. makes it make sense for moms Mm -hmm. instead of like, I want you to do a cross cradle and bring your arm across this direction or that direction, going from this very innate, natural, Mm -hmm. instinctual way of holding your baby to horizontal towards your breast. Mm -hmm. It just clicks for a lot of moms that way. Mm -hmm. And so that's usually how I will tell them to kind of line up baby or get them to their breast. Mm -hmm. And then from there, It is always very 
common that moms will line up baby's mouth with the nipple. Mm -hmm. And so I will always encourage line your baby up lower. So nose or upper lip with your nipple instead of directly on. Because just like us, if I'm going to take a drink of something, I'm not going to bring it to my top lip to drink it. I'm going to bring it to my bottom lip. And so I encourage families, you want the bottom lip and tongue to hit your breast tissue first, Mm -hmm. which is why you want them kind of lower Mm -hmm. because then that upper lip opens and then you bring them on, which is asymmetrical latching is what that's like called. Mm -hmm. If any mom's listening and is like, I want to Google what this looks like. Mm -hmm. Asymmetrical latching or even like the flipple technique is another one that's pretty commonly referred to with asymmetric latching. But I think a lot of it is just feeling comfortable kind of getting the baby up to you and then like, okay, where do we go from here mm-hmm. as far as latching? I think if mom is working on latching and it's staying painful or if there's a lot of breakdown on the nipple, meaning like a lot of redness, maybe there's some tissue coming off. I usually will say in the first couple days, it shouldn't be that bad. And if it is, then we need to really look at what's going on in baby's mouth mm-hmm. because if it's breaking down your nipple that badly, there's a lot of friction going on and, mm-hmm. and why is the friction happening? Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably the biggest tips is just line up the baby's nipple with the nose. Um, and then when you're turning them in towards you to face you or bringing them horizontal, keep their eyes, nipples, knees, and toes all in one line. They mm-hmm. should always face their plate when they eat. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're really focused on their mouth and what their head's doing. Mm-hmm. And so then their, their hips are kind of facing the ceiling unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we wouldn't eat kind of turned sideways. I mean, as a mom, sometimes you do because you're running to get something. But for the most part, most people kind of face their plate and then eat their food. And so we want baby to do the same. Gotcha. Okay. A question I have, I know that I asked about like kind of early on, but what would you say when it comes to babies as they get bigger? Because one thing I know I ran into is I kept trying to hold my three month old, like when he was a newborn and I had like, I was like trying to support all of his weight. And I finally was like, I had a friend kind of help me figure out, sit him on your lap a little bit more, let that shoulder some of the weight. So the positioning kind of changed as they got bigger. So I'd be curious, like even that, like sometimes I notice that he wants to kind of have his hips turned out. And so do you find mm-hmm. that that position and all of that as they, once they get the latch down and they're like more comfortable with breastfeeding and you both have more of a rhythm that those position changes can happen? Like what's your thought on that? Oh, as yeah. Babies get bigger and taller and longer and you can't just hold them like directly mm-hmm. tummy to tummy like you could when they were six or seven pounds. Yeah. I mean, babies get very exploratory when they're feeding as they grow, particularly between that like three to six, even nine months. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of always joked that with my second, it was like drive-by feedings because it was never like, I'm going to sit down and nurse in this really still position unless we are napping or going to sleep. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it was a lot of like, okay, I'm going to sit you in my lap Mm -hmm. now. Like you're just like a little koala Mm -hmm. and let you latch on and feed and you're holding a toy and, you know, playing with my necklace at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this idea as they grow, they're definitely going to find positions that, they explore what their body can do. They're sticking their legs up in your face. Yeah. They're putting their fingers in your mouth. Mm-hmm. They've got their hips rolling outward because mm-hmm. that feels fun and mm-hmm. they can practice the rolling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they definitely get so much more mobile mm-hmm. as they learn how to latch and they're confident with it. They they really play around a ton and 
then it gets to be sometimes a little too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you're like, okay, my nipple is here. Please stop being way over there. Yes. Um, and so then there's that, you know, there's the boundary, of course, when you need to unlatch them and let them play for a minute mm-hmm. and then come back to breastfeeding as needed. But mm-hmm. yeah, the position changes happen very, very quickly. It seems mm-hmm. like they get really distracted at that three month mark. Yeah. And they get, like, playful, too. I don't know. I don't know if, I mean, just at least my experience, like, almost, like, playful. Like, sometimes, and I think this especially happens if they're, like, kind of hungry, but not, like, starving. You know, because if he's starving, Mm -hmm. like, he'll, you know, he's never starving. But you know what I mean? If he's more hungry, he's going to focus at least for five or seven more minutes before he starts, like, getting Mm -hmm. distracted. But if he's not super hungry, it's so interesting. Like, he'll latch on, eat for, you know, 30 seconds, and then look up at me and laugh and look around and then try to go back. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, it's just all over the Mm -hmm. place. And so, yeah, it's funny how they start to get a little bit more exploratory. But I also think that's good to talk about because I think I had this idea yeah. breastfeeding will look the same until they're like walking or something. And then at two and a half, three months when things started changing and I was like, I need to figure out how to hold you more comfortably. And it's like, it's like an ever evolving thing. And it's like, there's yeah. always a new learning curve at every stage versus you. It's not like you get it and then everything's perfect. Yeah. You might be no. more comfortable <laughs> with the latch, but like now you've got a bigger baby. Now you've got a baby who's reaching mm-hmm. up and grabbing your face or like laughing and looking at you because they're not that interested in breastfeeding, even though they need to eat or whatever, you know? So yeah, it's, it's an interesting. But I've I've been encouraged to like talk with other women and, and learn. Okay, there it's a roller coaster at all times. Only because they go through teething, they go through growth spurts, they move, they yeah. get bigger, they discover their bodies, they get exploratory. So I think just like normalizing that and helping women from the beginning know like you're gonna get the hang of it, and it does become so much easier. However, like there are always little bit little ups and downs that you have to kind of like adjust and shift to based on where your baby is developmentally. I think that is like oh, so 100% to, to remember too. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like a rite of passage as a mom to like breastfeed when your baby is at that distracted stage and not spray them in the face or like nip flash anyone because yes. that feels like a milestone in and of itself uh-huh. because it's so they do become so social. Uh-huh. And I mean you think about how we eat, mm-hmm. we eat when we're in communion with people, yeah. we're, we're talking with, you know, our partner, our family. And so they're not a whole lot different than us. Mm-hmm. They want to be having fun and have connection with you. Although it feels different because you're like, well, you're supposed to be eating, but they are, they change so much really quickly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love bringing that up because it is so true. You kind of get one milestone going and then something else kind of shifts it up and you're like, okay, I got to figure out how to manage this now. And I think a lot of moms assume that I meet with an IBCLC and, and then I'm done. I have it kind of down and figured out. And I can tell you, even in just this past week, I have met with a mom who had a one-year-old and a mom that has a six-month-old. And so things do change at different seasons when you're returning to work things change when you're deciding to switch from you know using a bottle to maybe more straw cups things change so there's definitely I feel like there is this missed art of just how we feed our babies Mm -hmm. because a lot of times the focus is on how much volume and how many minutes Mm -hmm. but there's never really this discussion about the emotional side, the social side of feeding mm-hmm. and what those changes look like. Mm-hmm. So I love highlighting that and just kind of normalizing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm so glad we talked about that. 
Have you ever wanted to live a little bit more of a natural and holistic lifestyle for the sake of your well-being and your family's well-being, as well as to be a little bit more self-sustaining, but just felt really confused on where to start, especially if you can't just like up and move to a farm tomorrow? Look, when I first started my holistic wellness journey, I remember I felt so overwhelmed. There's so much information all over the internet nowadays, and it's so hard to discern and to know which brands are truly clean and how do I source food locally and where do I even begin with all this stuff, especially if I have a busy life and I live maybe in an apartment or a suburban life, or I just don't have like goats in my backyard to go milk, you know, like how, how do I do this? And, um, it can be really overwhelming. So what I did is I wanted to take the guesswork out of it for you because I think one of the biggest things that holds so many of us back is not only the financial side of it and the worry that it's going to be more expensive, but also the time. Most of us don't have months or years to invest in researching and reading labels and figuring out how to do that and doing all this research on our own. So we just don't and we kind of get stuck. So what I wanted to do is create a quick start guide for you. And it's called the Lifestyle Overhaul Guide. It is a step-by-step quick start guide to living a more natural and sustainable life. And it is laid out in a step-by-step format. It covers everything from budgeting for these changes to really reducing stress and creating a more sustainable schedule and lifestyle in terms of your time to cleaning up the products in your home and reducing your toxin burden, how to really start with that and what to prioritize and how to do that in a budget-friendly way to sourcing more food locally, shortening your supply chain, being less reliant on the grocery store and big food systems, and starting to really use the resources in your local community. I'm giving you all the best resources on how to find those things, how to source those things, and how to get started right where you are. So if that sounds like something you need, you can tap the link in the show notes on this episode, or just go to jordanleedooley.com slash lifestyle dash overhaul to check out all the details and grab yourself a copy. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50-80% to less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. I'm like, these are incredible. (laughs) 
Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. One other thing I want to talk about is supply because I know this can go up and down. This is, you know, something that mm-hmm. can be easy to compare when it comes to our supply with with other moms or, you know, whether that's other moms we know or what moms we see on social media. It can just it can be tough and you know, supply issues, both low and oversupply are big challenges for many women. So what suggestions do you have for women who are navigating issues with supply? And do you, I honestly am genuinely curious, do you see a lot of people who just have perfect supply? I know from the beginning, usually there's like, you know, it's an adjustment, but I think it'd be interesting to hear, you know, I think a lot of women do struggle with either not quite enough or an oversupply or or both at different times. And so how common is this? And what, you know, suggestions do you have for women who are navigating any supply issues? Yeah, so I think the first thing to really remember when this topic always comes up, I always remind moms that it is really, really hard not to compare because it's in your face every day. Mm. So don't beat yourself up, especially if you're a mom, you're probably following, um, you know, other moms because you want some solidarity in this season. Mm -hmm. And it can be really hard when you see a mom putting away and stacking away, you know, ounces and ounces of breast milk. And of course, if you search anything about low supply, then even more is going to come up on your feed about it. Mm -hmm. And so then it's really in your face. And so one thing that I, I always encourage moms is remember that Instagram, social media, there, there is a, a very small percentage of people who are being as authentic as they can, but even even the most authentic person, you're only sharing 15 seconds Mm -hmm. or 30 seconds Mm -hmm. of your 24 hour day. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I think a lot of moms go into this comparison mode, but just remind yourself that even the most authentic people on social media are going through things that you know nothing about. Mm -hmm. Their supply is their supply. And for lack of a better word, all our babies are individual. Mm -hmm. So A mom that's producing 25 ounces for her baby, but her baby is eating 30 ounces Mm -hmm. is technically under supply. Mm -hmm. But you can have a same 
the same exact mom producing 25 ounces, but her baby is a preemie. Mm-hmm. And so she's making above what her baby needs. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really, really easy to compare. But at the same time, just remember, you have no idea what their health history is. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what their baby's health history is. Mm-hmm. And so you also don't know if that baby is maybe is bottle refusing. And mm-hmm. so this mom has a stash of milk because her baby won't take the milk mm-hmm. from a bottle. I think that's really important to remember when we when we talk about comparison is that it's only a small portion of their day. And then you also have no background mm-hmm. for how did they get that milk? Was it replacing a feeding? Was it pumping for 30 minutes? Was it a power pumping session that she just stored away? Mm-hmm. We don't really know all the details. Mm-hmm. But with supply, I think the biggest thing that or that I like to talk to moms about is that Milk removal is the number one way to signal to your body to drive your milk supply up. Mm -hmm. So I always tell moms, make it realistic, make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. So if you are pumping, say, eight times a day and you want to add one or two poor pump sessions, great. Mm -hmm. If you're pumping eight times a day and you would like to boost your supply, there's we can increase one or two more pump sessions. Mm -hmm. We can make sure that you're draining well by checking flange fit. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we can look at your nutrition status. I think there is not as much emphasis on this as I wish there was, Mm -hmm. but you're burning more calories than you were pregnant while breastfeeding. And I I don't think a lot of moms realize that that's the case, Mm -hmm. but you are. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of moms, they may be eating the same way that they were when they're pregnant. But number one, you're burning more calories. Number two, your cortisol levels are probably a lot higher because now you have somebody crying when they're hungry mm-hmm. versus before you may just feel nauseated mm-hmm. or like you had a headache when you're pregnant, when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Well, now somebody's screaming at you for a meal. Mm-hmm. and Absolutely. Is that going to spike your cortisol? Of course it is as a mom. And so it's also important to remember that when you're, when your cortisol spikes, you're burning through carbs and that energy very quickly. And so it's important to kind of keep your calorie count at minimum, I think 2,500 calories a day. And then, you know, protein should be 80 grams, if not more, <laughs> yeah. which is a lot, like yeah, a lot, lot of moms think, oh, I'm eating that much. Mm-hmm. You probably are not. I can tell you right now, even when I was doing like my utmost best to hit those nutrition goals, I still wasn't. I wish there was more focus on that. I think if you can get family or friends to prep you little snack boxes, like snack boxes of food that you can eat one handed, mm-hmm. that can really help with milk supply often is just getting in a carb protein and a fat at snacks and all meals because your your milk is made of water, mm-hmm. protein, carbs, and fat, and then, you know, minerals, of course. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I think that's another thing that we kind of lose focus on. And I think from there, if you're focus, focusing on all those things and you've worked with an IBCLC, then maybe talk about some supplements. The biggest thing I'll say with supplements is Stay away from fenugreek, mainly because if you have thyroid issues, it just doesn't play well with that. Mm -hmm. It can also, in in the studies that have been done, for some moms, it helps tremendously. For some moms, it actually lowers supply. So it's kind of inconsistent. But yeah, as far as 
supplements, I think going the route of maybe more Galactagog type things, which are like your goat's root and blessed thistle and moringa, things like that that are actually herbals and foods that are shown to help with Mm -hmm. or increase supply. And then from there, if you're still not seeing an increase or you're still wanting to explore it, I think exploring hormones and your levels is another really great way to get a snapshot of Mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. And is there something that I can get addressed? Mm -hmm. What about for women who on, I I personally was on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I think a lot of times there's this like, Oh, you have more milk than you need. Awesome. Like you're so lucky. And in some ways it's a huge blessing, but I remember, and I still occasionally struggle with this, even with a three and a half, almost four month old, if you have an oversupply, you can run into a lot of clogged ducts. You're at risk of mastitis, yes. um, thrush, other things. Even like if you get too full before the next feeding, you can be like waterboarding your baby and then they're like gagging because they're trying to keep up with what's mm-hmm. coming in their mouth. So then you feel terrible because then they get bad gas and it's just like this cyclical thing. So there's that. There's downsides to that too. And trying to yeah, regulate absolutely. that can be harder than you think. Um, so I'd be curious what you'd say to someone who might be struggling with the opposite end of the spectrum with that. Yeah. So with oversupply, it is such a dance, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. because there is so much that goes into it. I think that for any mom that is struggling with oversupply, really getting into what is breast lymphatic massage look like, Mm -hmm. because for you, you're probably going to have inflammation going on off and on Mm -hmm. through the process of maybe bringing down that supply. And ice is going to be your friend. Mm -hmm. You can use like I recently, probably within the last six to eight months, was using an ice roller and then immediately made a reel about it because I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually perfect to ice roll boobs. Mm. Like if you are having a lot of inflammation or clogged ducts, you can use this to just gently roll over the breast tissue. It cools it down, but then it's also like this nice lymphatic massage Mm -hmm. to help prevent those areas of inflammation. Mm -hmm. So I think Inflammation is probably the number one thing that you're going to be fighting. Mm -hmm. The other thing that for moms who don't necessarily want to be taking anti-inflammatories, which I don't recommend taking that Mm -hmm. daily, but for moms who want maybe something that is a little bit more natural, holistic approach, Mm -hmm. anti-inflammatory fruits, Mm -hmm. fruits that are high in antioxidants can be really good when you're trying to bring that supply down or help it regulate. Mm -hmm. And then turmeric capsules are actually something that recently I looked into some research about for a few moms that I was working with one-on-one who didn't want to take Tylenol or Motrin for mastitis. And so Mm -hmm. we looked up the kind of dosing that was used for post-surgery and for arthritic pain and implemented that and it worked just as well for them. They, you know, had a resolve of symptoms with the ice and tumor capsules. And so I think that that might be another thing that they could look into. And then from there, working with a lactation consultant on maybe doing some block feeding or block method. So they're using one breast for a portion or a section of the day and then using the other breast for a section of the day. Mm-hmm. And then that that breast that's not getting stimulated, just kind of letting a little off the gas mm-hmm. is probably the best way to say it. Like letting a little bit of milk out mm-hmm. in between, but mm-hmm. not enough to fully drain, mm-hmm. just enough to make the tissue comfy. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of then signaling still to the brain, like slow down production on this mm-hmm. side. Um So block feeding is huge and can be really beneficial for moms who are really in this oversupply. And then you can also look at 
supplements and what you're currently taking, there are some supplements and medications that can create oversupply. Mm-hmm. Most moms aren't taking those regularly, but there is some. I have personally for myself as well as a few clients, this is more of a probably what I would say like anecdotal than like true on study. But for myself and a few other moms that I was working with one-on-one, they were taking desiccated liver. And I mean, there's so many great benefits to that. And I know, I know that you take that as well and know that as well, but it did kind of create this natural oversupply. And so even just bringing down the dosage of what they were taking back mm-hmm. just a, a little bit helped. And so there's, there are some other things that you could kind of look at and see, okay, am I, is there other things that I'm taking in that maybe I can adjust or tweak just a little bit mm-hmm. to help with that oversupply. And then for any moms who are happily in oversupply, I always tell them, call and become a donor. Mm-hmm. Like if you're willing to, there are so many moms and NICU babies that need and require breast milk. Mm-hmm. And so if you're willing to do it and you're willing to pump and you're okay with it, mm-hmm. some moms will will choose to do to donate or even just informally donate with mm-hmm. friends or family that you trust and you know and you're willing to give some of your milk to. I did some informal donation with my last baby because I was, you know, again, breastfeeding during a pandemic. So mm-hmm. a lot of my friends that were outside of the hospital it's kind of a nice way their baby was showing symptoms of COVID. I would give them some of my milk because mm-hmm. I was clearly probably exposed mm-hmm. being in the hospital daily. And so that was a nice, it felt kind of nice because my daughter was refusing bottles and wouldn't take my milk. So wow. it was a nice way to like, okay, I can actually use this milk that's yeah. just going to sit in the freezer. So that's yeah, awesome. that was a nice a nice thing to consider if you're in oversupply. Yeah, that's awesome. I personally like kind of just started to embrace it a little bit. I've tried to not go crazy, but I have another son. So I was like, well, maybe this is like something I can use to feed him. You know, speaking Mm -hmm. of just for those listening, I'm currently feeding my child. So if you hear him (laughs) like burp or something, (laughs) that's why uh, we had to make it work on the podcast. It's just like, I was like, well, this is a podcast about breastfeeding. So what better way? Better time. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Yeah, you're good. Um, He's just easily distracted. Oh, are you going to say hi to everybody? Say hello. He's like, listen, I have things to say, mom. (laughs) He does. Okay. Okay. One other thing I wanted to ask about is navigating breastfeeding or pumping or both while on the go, especially for new moms. So I'd be curious what tips you have for breastfeeding while out and about and what are some of your favorite on the go items to help with that? Yeah. So I, oh gosh, I've done so much breastfeeding on, on the go with both of my girls I always encourage if you're breastfeeding on the go to practice it in front of a mirror. So that way you're kind of seeing what other people see. I think some of the like anxiousness or not wanting to do it or not knowing how to do it in public is because you don't know what it looks like from an outsider perspective. And not that it matters. You're feeding your baby. But I think sometimes if you breastfeed at home the way you will when you're out and about, you start to see that like, okay, they're really not going to see much of anything. Even if I forget a blanket at home or forget the breastfeeding cover at home, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to flash everyone. I was and still am pretty modest, but I think doing that in front of a mirror a few times, I started to realize, number one, I'm also like pretty small chested. So that helps. But 
it started to help me realize no one really sees anything. Mm. And if you're focused on your baby, it's not going to be as anxiety inducing the first couple of times it absolutely will. And there were still times well into my journey that I got kind of like the sweats from Mm -hmm. busting out a boob to breastfeed. But for moms who do or wish to use a cover, I think those like very light muslin blankets are amazing. Mm -hmm. You can kind of tuck them in the corner of your bra and throw them over your chest. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily over baby because some babies hate that. They really do not want to be covered. And it, it, especially at that three to six months, it makes it worse because Mm -hmm. they're like pulling it off. Right. And so sometimes even just kind of like draping it like an infinity scarf kind of over your chest makes you feel a little more comfy. Mm -hmm. I always think that having a manual pump just in case is never a bad idea. Like Mm -hmm. you're never going to lose if you have a manual pump with you because Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be plugged in. It doesn't need electricity. You can always fit it under a t-shirt or, you know, mm-hmm. step in a corner and turn around and face the corner and use the manual pump to get a little bit of milk out. Mm-hmm. So I always, manual pump is one of those, like always have items. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have found taking a manual pump is so helpful just to have just in case, like you said, it just, it just doesn't work as well on the go or you, you just need to get a little bit out, if you will. Yeah. And, and it's pretty easy. So yeah, that's a great tool. I, I've used the Medela, but I'm sure there's plenty of good options out there. And I didn't really start doing that till like maybe two and a half, three months in. And I was like, wait, this is actually so helpful to just like have as a backup. I Hello. Yeah. He's so bad. He's like, feed me more. Hold on. He's like, wait. I know. Like, <laughs> calm down. Anyway. Okay. One last question I have is just about... Pumping specifically, because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are curious about that if they don't pump or if they're if they're an exclusive pumper. So I'd be curious what you'd say. What would you do differently for your pumping journey now that you are an IBCLC? Okay, I hate to admit this, but all of my IBCLCs, if anyone's listening in there and IBCLC, they're going to know exactly what I mean by this. <laughs> but I just pumped with the wrong flange size because it didn't affect me. And oh. I think I would change the flange size. Both of my journeys. And how do you know if it's the right flange? What do you, how do you know if it's the right flange size? So you can measure. There are these fun little gadgets. You can actually look up on Amazon. I think if you Google or Google, if you search on Amazon nipple ruler, I think it'll come up. It's a silicone ruler and it's got little holes and then it has like the millimeter measurement on the holes. And so then you stick your nipple in and figure out what size is my actual nipple. Most on average, in a research study they did, most moms are somewhere between a 15 or 14 to 15 millimeter. So like the 24 size flange that comes standard with most pumps is 10 millimeters too large. Mm. And for most moms, you maybe need one to two millimeters larger than your true size. And so I think that's probably something that If I ever find myself pumping again, Mm -hmm. I probably will try a different flange size and see like, okay, maybe I drain a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't struggle with clogged ducts or or mastitis or anything Mm -hmm. with my second. With my first, I did a little bit more, but she was tongue tied. And so that just lends itself to a little bit more of those things. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I would actually get the right flange fit because I know better. And I should just spend the $15 on the insert or the different flange size and, and try to do it. But aside from that one, cause that one's just more of a, like a funny thing. Mm-hmm. I think that I would just, instead of seeing it as all or nothing, mm-hmm. 
think of pumping as I, the same that I do as like going to the bathroom or needing a drink of water. I think sometimes I would think about a pumping session and be like, oh my gosh, I have to sit down for 25 minutes or, you know, Mm -hmm. 20 minutes to do this pump session. And I wish I would have kind of like shifted my mindset a little bit and been like, you know what, 10 to 15 minutes, if that's all I can do right now because of work, that's all I can do. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing my best and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of having this like insane amount of pressure and then just being like, well, I'm not going to pump at all because I don't have the time. Yeah. Especially with my first, I was working bedside 12 hour shifts Mm -hmm. and I was a sole provider of like care for two babies. And so that was, it didn't really lend itself to like leaving the bedside, which is why I made, made such good friends with my manual pump because Mm -hmm. you can turn around in a corner, especially at night shift Mm -hmm. um, and pump for five minutes or 10 minutes to get a little bit of milk. Mm -hmm. But with my second, I did kind of do this game and like mental gymnastics in my head where it was like, well, I'm not going to have a full 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. I should just skip all together. And I mean, I got out of it, but I think I would just take some of the pressure off myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, it's okay. Mm -hmm. If it's not the perfect ideal pumping session, you do what you can. And then the next session you do what you can, like you just keep doing what you can and make it sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, Oh gosh, it's, it's all or nothing. Right. Yeah. That's so good. It's very freeing to have that mentality. I think it can feel, I think, I think even like with anything, whether that's pumping or feeding, like mm-hmm. I think sometimes like the idea of like minutes and how long it's supposed to take and all of this stuff yeah. can like really get in people's head. Like there's, there was times and there still is times I have to like remind myself where like if my child baby feeds for five to seven minutes and he's happy and I feel okay, then okay, like we're done, you know, but I think there's times in my mind where I'm like, well, it's supposed to be 15 to 20 minutes and blah, 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 you know, and I've had to really let that go. My supply, how he transfers milk, what his needs are, and even like his appetite at every meal is going to be a little different. Like I don't eat the exact same amount of calories every single meal, the exact same amount of protein, all of that. And so just like keeping that in mind of like, it's not going to look like this cookie cutter, perfect, exact, exactly the same every single time kind of thing. And I think if you can adopt that mindset of like, there's going to be variability and you've just got to kind of roll with doing the best you can and allowing it to be what it is. A a lot of more, it makes it a lot more enjoyable, you know, like even just like feeding him right now, he's wanting more, but I'm like, well, you're kind of like all over the place and distracted. So we're going to take a second, you know, and just like knowing and intuitively, I think leaning into what do I need to do right now to make it make it work and make it, you know, isn't as positive as possible. I feel like there's yes. a lot of freedom in that approach versus like, I have to meet this certain number of minutes or it has to look like X, Y, Z. And if it doesn't, then I'm doing it wrong. It's got to be your experience and your journey and fit with your life. Absolutely. And your needs. Yeah. I think that's so important because even just when you talk about pumping or adding in formula, if that's what you want to do, or just breastfeeding, there's so much of it that on social media is painted very mm-hmm. all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm exclusively breastfeeding, which mm-hmm. I do not like that term. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is this? We're not in high school. Like I am, this is not some club. Like <laughs> yeah. you're primarily breastfeeding. That's mm-hmm. all you need to say. Like mm-hmm. there, there's so much, even just around the language mm-hmm. sometimes that just really kind of makes me tilt my head sideways and go like, why are we saying it like this? Yeah, Because it really does bring about these feelings of, oh, well, if I can't exclusively breastfeed, then why it's just not worth it. it. Right, right. And it's like, no, like do, if it brings you joy mm-hmm. and you like it and you enjoy that connection with your baby, then you can breastfeed in any capacity you want, mm-hmm. whether that's for 
two weeks Mm -hmm. or two years. Do it as long as it works for you and your baby and your family. Mm -hmm. Introduce bottles when you feel like you need to. Introduce formula if you feel like you need to, because like you mentioned, it's it's your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not anyone else's postpartum journey. Nobody else is coming to feed your baby 12 times a day. Mm -hmm. So you make it what you can enjoy and Of course, there's moments where you may not enjoy it, Mm -hmm. but that's all of parenthood and motherhood. Totally. You know, there's some days that are like, I love everything about this day. And then there are some days where it's a mixture. And then there are some days where it's like, well, today was just kind of in the toilet. And that's what it was. And so I think a lot of times I talk to many of my moms about you don't have to do it this specific way. I don't want you to feel like because I'm a lactation consultant you have to get back to breastfeeding. Do you want to get back to breastfeeding? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times moms are kind of like, I don't even know. I haven't even thought about it. Yeah, and they like, just think yeah. about what they think they're supposed to do based on what they're hearing. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. So I completely agree with that sentiment of just like, do what works. It's not all or nothing. Mm-hmm. It should be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And and if it's not, then if you want to get help to keep going, then do that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be done, then still get help Mm -hmm. on how to be done with breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and then be done. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Oh my gosh. This has been so good. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. I feel like I could ask so much more, but this has been so (laughs) rich and just really valuable. I think to those who are well into their breastfeeding journey and those who are considering breastfeeding, those who are not sure what they want to do. Like, I just think it's really informative and it's something I wish I would have heard before I had my baby and started (laughs) breastfeeding. So thank you for everything. Where can we find you and where can we learn more from you if we want to follow along and just kind of continue to glean wisdom and, and, and insight from you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram, of course, at lutes.lactation, and most of my content is there. I also have a blog on my website, which you can find from my Insta, and then I do occasionally brave the TikTok world, but (laughs) it gets kind of wild over there, so I keep it pretty lighthearted on TikTok, so not as much education. Most of the education comes from my Instagram and my website. But yeah, every now and again, I'll throw in some fun with a a TikTok reel. (laughs) I love it. it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also to those listening, I'm sure you're hearing little shepherd over here telling me I want to eat more (laughs) and telling me he wants to look around. He's very vocal now. And so (laughs) I had to um, have him as a little special guest halfway through, but we make it work and it's working out. So anyway, thank you so much, Aubrey. This has been so encouraging and valuable. I feel like just so empowered and encouraged walking away. And I know so many of our listeners will too. So thank you again for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it and enjoyed Shep just joining us as well. (laughs) I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content, and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. 
Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the neighborhood," she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trinsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.